Hey, Pepin. Yo, yo, Steve. You know, I've been reading a lot about ghosts. Really? Yeah, it's Halloween season. I get really amped up for Halloween. Um, I think we should we should have a an episode today about ghosts. Really? Really? Maybe we should even bring on an expert. That would be fantastic. I, I did just finish a book recently. Let me see if I can get the author on. Okay, we need to talk. Welcome back. So glad you're all here to join us here today. I am uh, in Nate's room. you got a beautiful candle lit. It smells great in here. How are you doing today, Nate? Doing pretty good. How about yourself, Steve? Not too bad. I'm actually really excited. You know, Halloween's starting to come up here, and I read a fantastic book, and it was actually written by uh, an author down in Texas, Kathleen Macca, and uh, we actually got her to come on the show here today, whether that's that's uh, a great thing for her career or awful. I will find out. I do want to introduce her. She's on the phone here today. How are you doing, Kathleen? I'm doing good. How are you? That candle does smell good. <laughs> <laughs> so good you could smell it from there. I'm, uh, I'm fantastic. It's really strong. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I, I'd love to start by having, uh, having you introduce yourself a bit and, and give any sort of background that, that might be pertinent. Let's see. I was in the advertising industry for about 20 years doing TV and radio and stuff and uh, decided to stay home and dedicate myself to writing full time. So I write for Galveston Monthly Magazine and do some other freelance work and started just focusing strictly on historical stuff. But because I've always loved a good ghost story, people started asking me to start collecting ghost stories from Galveston because it's a very haunted city. So that's how this project came about. That's uh, that's fantastic. And if, if I'm not incorrect here, you've written two books at this point? Yes, this is only my second. Right. And uh, first one was Galveston's Broadway Cemeteries. Yes. Okay. And then you just dropped one this month, actually, September, uh, Ghosts of Galveston. Yes, that's the new one. I actually, I did download that one on Amazon and it's it's a great read. Thanks. I definitely want to want to delve into that one a, a bit here today since ghost kind of is the the topic that we're going for here. But what uh, what, what strikes me is that you were in uh, one industry for so long, the marketing industry, and then you jumped over into wanting to to become a writer. Was there anything specific that made you make that jump? Well, I've always written, even when I was little. Um, and when I started in the advertising industry, I started as a writer, and then I moved into broadcast production stuff. You just kind of move along the train tracks or they drag you along unwillingly screaming. Um, <laughs> but I really missed the writing end of it. And that's how I ended up back here. Okay. That sounds awesome that you were able to to take your career in a in a path naturally and then make that, that final leap. That's actually a could be a really risky leap. Um, so I give you a, a lot of credit for, for taking that leap in the first place. Thanks. I'm not saying it was a brilliant leap to make, but you know, <laughs> nothing ventured, nothing gained. <laughs> exactly. And uh, if you're, if you're any bit happier then that's uh that's really what matters definitely that was a win the the book ghosts of galveston it's got a, a lot of stories in it. It, it it's broken down chapter e in the sense that each section is about a different building yes um what made you what made you go that route well when i first started putting the book together or gathering the ghost stories 
I came across so many because Galveston is notoriously a haunted city that I had to figure out some way to narrow down the number I was using. And I narrowed them down to just over 40, if that sounds like a narrowed down number. (laughs) But one of the parameters I used was for each ghost story that I used, it had to have some basis in historical fact. I had to find police records that backed it up or newspaper accounts from the time period that backed it up or something. And I wanted wherever the event happened to still exist. So if somebody was reading the book and visiting Galveston, they could actually go visit the building because I think that's half the fun. So that's how it kind of got broken down into location. And that's so huge because while there are so many different stories within the book, it unfolds, you know, you share a lot of the folklore as well, but you're really explicit about this is the story that goes around. It's really common, but here's the actual facts that back that up. This specific thing wouldn't be possible because the facts say that this person moved away and there's no way they could have died there or things along those lines. I think that adds such a depth to something that is so easy to dive towards fiction and letting the story, oh, well, that's a better story. So let's, let's keep that in as, as the ghost story when, you know, it, I personally find it creepier when you do stick to the facts because then the ones that you tell have that much more weight to them. Well, thanks. That was my hope. I I have to admit that there were a couple of stories that I really thought were really great spooky stories. But when I found out that they couldn't possibly have any basis, in fact, even a kernel, I have to admit I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> but it happens. And I I think a ghost story is creepier if it could possibly be possible. So that's where I went. It's also pretty cool that the people who read these stories, they can actually go to those exact sites and see what you're talking about, where it's, you know, it's just like any kind of ghost story. You can't like re-experience it, but you can actually go to that very place and say, man, this is where this happened. This is where this guy died. Exactly. And you know, what's fun about Galveston too, is because everybody just kind of accepts that it's haunted because of its, it's got a really colorful past, so why wouldn't it be haunted? But you can go into some of the shops in these older buildings that are have the ghost stories tied to them, and they'll come over to wait on you, and you can say, so I heard there was a ghost, and they'll totally drop what they're doing and say, oh, let me tell you what happened last week. <laughs> like Everybody has a ghost story to share, and they're shameless about sharing their excitement. It's great. That's fantastic. Uh, I know that reading the book, it made me really – want to go visit because you your descriptions are so thorough in down to the architecture and talking about the people and then the stories and that's what really drives you drags you in and makes you want to actually go to these places if not just for the architecture even if you don't believe that it it might be haunted or something along that nathan himself is notorious uh, on our show for not believing in ghosts i'm calling you out here Nate. oh god um, yeah, poo poo ghosts on another show. I already know that. <laughs> um, so I, I think that even Nate would find something really enticing about wanting to go to this, go to Galveston, because the architecture sounds so beautiful. You have a lot of pictures in the book too, um, older pictures, newer pictures, and it just it brings everything to life in that whole town. It's an amazing town, whether they love the ghost story part of it, the architecture part of it, the history part of it. There's a little bit of something for everybody. And that's why, you know, if you go down with a group, you're going to find something that's going to interest everybody. It actually, the island has one of the highest densities of existing Victorian architecture in the U.S. So you're going down these streets with homes that are over 100 years old 
And if you didn't see a car parked in the driveway, you might be able to convince yourself this is exactly what it looked like 100 years ago. It's pretty amazing. Wow. And I know that uh, some a couple of the places you said were actually in historical societies as being like one of the representations of that type of architecture. Yes, they are. The very oldest home in Galveston is the Menard Mansion. And I actually used to be a docent there. It's a beautiful home. It's stereotypically what you think of as a southern home because it has the portico porch with the big columns and it's one of the few from that time period but it's it's a beautiful home to tour just for historic sake and and then you i mean you have that rich beautiful history in these beautiful places and then they also have a walmart which is which seems so juxtaposed (laughs) when i'm reading it i'm like all of a sudden Walmart, but then even the Walmart's haunted because there's there's dead kids haunting that place. Isn't that creepy? Yeah, it, it, <laughs> like like you were saying, it uh, the architecture makes it look like you're in the past, and then there's a Walmart. So that in itself probably feels out of place when you're there. But then the fact that it's also haunted just it's almost creepier that it's a modern building. And it's haunted in that in that environment. It's probably creepier in the sense that people don't expect it because they're just in Walmart picking up their cat food and whatever. And here comes a little kid bouncing a ball. And it's like, that. those clothes don't look exactly right. And then they giggle and disappear. It's like, well, that really wasn't right. <laughs> you know, it's but the Walmart was actually built on the ground. I know a lot of people have heard of the story of the 1900 storm in Galveston. And up to 12,000 people died. It's still the, it still stands as the greatest national disaster. And where the ground that Walmart is now is where the orphanage was. And 90 children and 10 nuns died. And then when they rebuilt the island, Walmart ended up there. So that's some of the children are still around. Oh, jeez. I know. <laughs> that, that is, the, the lore there is just so creepy in itself. It's, and that follows throughout the whole book. Um, you know, you, you set the backdrop pretty well explaining biggest city in the 1800s in Texas is, is Galveston, um, which locationally it's the southeast of Texas along the coast, um, in the Gulf, right? It's mm-hmm. an island. Um, and then as you were saying, September 1900, the, mm-hmm. a huge storm came through, killed, uh, I believe the what you said in the book and what the the internet as well says between six and eight thousand people, um, but the numbers do skew a bit where it could be up to twelve thousand people um, being the the biggest natural disaster in U.S. history. That's absolutely huge. It it is, and every resource you check is a little bit different. Um, I was just talking to a historian the other night that said they're actually thinking of upping the number oh um, because of some new research that they've done. And I thought, how, can, how much higher can it be? Because yeah, that was a huge chunk of the population on the island at the time, and because there were bodies everywhere you think of what they had to deal with. They had to do something really fast. So most of the bodies were just buried where they were found, whether it be on the beach, in the middle of the where the city was, whatever. So there are literally bodies all over the island. And no, they haven't been found. <laughs> <laughs> every, once, every once in a while, they'll find one, but very rarely. So they're still all over the place. Yeah, that'd be pretty creepy, just finding a body just, you know, on the island. <laughs> I, I, I get pretty creepy. <laughs> and, and you said that they they buried a lot of the people right where they were found, but the, there were so many that they were actually lined out. And a lot of these buildings, I was so surprised reading through that 
a, a huge chunk of these buildings you said were used to actually as morgues almost to line out the bodies that they could be identified. Mm-hmm. What they did is some of them, it was usually the ones that were found later on that were buried where they were. But initially they had to make some really hard choices and they got horse wagons and took everything over to the Strand side, which was right by the harbor. It's the popular shopping district now, and all the buildings are still there. But they used the ground floor of all these buildings as a makeshift morgue. So there are photos, and there's one in the book, of just solid lined bodies as far as you can see. And then they loaded the bodies onto barges and towed them out into the gulf and dropped them and thought, Wow, that's done. And then three days later, everybody washed back ashore. And at that point, how did they how did they handle that situation? (laughs) So so it was really bad by that point, you can imagine. Um, So what they did with the bodies that washed back up at that point, they divvied up throughout the island and they had funeral pyres. And some of the funeral pyres were in in front of some of the most gorgeous Victorian mansions that still exist today. You can see them in the background. It's like, that was in front of somebody's front yard. Okay. But they had to do what they had to do. I mean, it was pretty desperate time. They were cut off from the mainland and it's pretty amazing that they survived it and rebuilt. It's impressive. Absolutely. Uh, And I mean, you're, you're talking best case scenario, 6,000 people die and then they wash back up on shore there's so many unmarked graves mm-hmm. and people who are never identified, people who are never even found, uh-huh. that if there's anywhere in the world that's haunted, this would be it. You would think. <laughs> um, I've never heard anybody really argue with the fact that Galveston's haunted. Um, yet, whether you believe or not, the stories are compelling. Absolutely. I think that uh, that any, I know that a lot of people within the book said – that they start, they moved there, and they started out not believing in ghosts. And then, after like a year, they believe in ghosts now. <laughs> yes, yes. In fact, I um, interviewed a realtor the other day for an article that I'm writing about selling haunted properties, and I asked him if it was difficult to sell. You know, I have this house, but you know, do you disclose it? And the law doesn't say you disclose it. But on Galveston, that is one of the things you disclose because it's a selling point. Because people like that. They're very attached to their ghosts and they like their ghosts. Hmm. And he said it's very rare that he runs across anybody that will say, "Mm, no, thank you. (laughs) So people who are moving there already know the history. And uh, if it's haunted, the more the merrier. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, oh, I got a story for free with this house. Okay. (laughs) That's really original. I, I feel like there's not many places like that in the world that the whole town has a story for every single building, and it's a selling point. It's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely. Now, I gotta imagine these stories are kind of hard to come across. Did you find the researching very difficult with this? Some of them were more challenging than others. Um, For instance, uh, there was a man named William Watson who, uh, there's a huge port in Galveston. So there was a man named William Watson, and this was actually just the week before the big storm, had come aboard one of the ships called the Michigan and he had gotten his best clothes on and gone into town for the night because there was plenty of entertainment in Galveston. There were brothels and bars and all the good things in life. (laughs) So he was wandering down the strand and um, the last time he was seen, he was walking in a winding pattern. So you can imagine he probably had visited a few of those establishments. (laughs) And then he was found later decapitated. He had been hit by one of the trains going through town but they only found his body so the 
policeman for the next three hours. They found his body about midnight. And for about three hours, the policeman walked the tracks from the railroad station outward, trying to figure out where they could find it. And they couldn't find it, but the head was actually caught up underneath the train. So when it came back into the station and stopped, it kind of jerked and out he rolled. And he still had his hat on his head. But you would think, how am I going to research that? But it was actually, I mean, no pun intended, but blow by blow, it was recounted in the newspapers. I know exactly, I know right down to what his underwear color was, what he was wearing. I know exactly what position the head was in. I mean, I didn't get into all the gory details in the book, but they were, you know, Victorian newspapers were great on detail. <laughs> they wanted to tell you everything. It's like tabloid. So those kind of stories were great. Some of them were a little bit more challenging. That's that's pretty incredible. That's a lot of detail for like just one story. Isn't it? It's kind of, it's crazy. Now, uh, you mentioned a lot of the places there and they, a lot of them seem like they're inns or hotels and all of them seem to have a, a litany of different stories. Um, let's say I, I want to go visit and I want to bring Nathan and give him a ghost experience that he's, is undeniable. What inn or hotel would you suggest we stay at for the best opportunity? Probably your best opportunity would be to go to the Galvez, which uh, was built just after the 1900 storm. But um, it was actually built on the ground where one of the nuns and some of the orphans' bodies were found. And it seems to be haunted by several generations of ghosts, including a bride that committed suicide in the tour of the hotel. It has numerous stories. Um so it's a, it's a pretty fascinating place. They have their own ghost tours. When you stay there, they'll walk you around and tell you where all the ghosts are. Um, they have one person that died in a room in, in 1955, and she really doesn't like people to get in her room. And it's even gone so far as to the magnetic card key wouldn't work. And when they took it back to the front register, they test scanned it, and it said that the electronic card key expired in 1955, which is, of course, impossible. <laughs> And and that was the year she died. Yes, wow. <laughs> but they obviously didn't have electronic card keys, so it wasn't that old. <laughs> that's crazy. But they're quite communicative. Yeah, and that's the, the same hotel where a little girl will randomly whisper ice cream to people? Yes, they have a beautiful spa in the hotel now, um, but it used to, it was originally the ice cream parlor. And there's a little girl in the hallway outside that goes in between like where the ladies' room is now and out in the hallway where they have an exhibit of history. And she tends to hang outside the spa, and when people stop, they'll kind of get a cold chill, and they'll hear a little girl say, ice cream. Because she knows that's where she used to get ice cream. Oh, wow. That's I don't know if that's like creepy, adorable, or... Kind of both. <laughs> it could be creepy if you think she's saying, I scream. Oh, <laughs> wow. You just blew my mind. Or maybe we do all scream for ice cream. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Um... So uh, one more thing about that hotel specifically, there was a, a painting that when people take pictures near, skulls appear on their face. I was wondering if you could go a little more detail into that. That's a portrait of Bernardo de Galvez, who the island is named after. He was a Spanish explorer. And if I'm correct, he was never actually in Galvez at any point in time, but the island is named after him. And there's a very old portrait that hangs in the gallery. And it's on the ground floor. It's easy to access. 
but he doesn't like his photograph taken. It is one of those creepy portraits that you walk around and his eyes follow you and you just want to turn around and say, stop it. <laughs> it's really creepy. <laughs> but I've tried to photograph it several times. And I've never got a real, gotten a really good photograph that shows the painting, whether it's flash or without flash or what setting. And I have a very good camera. Um, it just doesn't seem to like to be photographed. But there are several people that have photographed, and you're supposed to ask permission before you photograph the portrait. And evidently, when people don't ask permission first, and I mind my manners. I'm a Southern girl. I always ask permission first. <laughs> but um, the a skull appears over his face. Oh. So you're not actually seeing his face. It looks like there's a skull. Wow. That's that's really creepy in itself as well. I know. You should always mind your manners. Um, so I know that, uh, that another point in the book you mentioned ghost pirates, which is one of the things that Pepin's mentioned, absolutely necessary for him to believe in ghosts. Um, could you talk briefly about pirate ghosts and, and is it pirate ghosts or ghost pirates? It depends, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I heard him, I heard him say that in the other show and I was like, no, not pirates. <laughs> the most famous pirate that lived in Galveston for several years was Jean Lafitte, who most people recognize his name, even if they don't know the history behind him, but he had an encampment and they were all pirates, um, named Campeche and his home was called Maison Rouge. It was right on the waterfront. And he burned it down when he left. And the story is that he buried his treasure by Three Oaks, which is out on the other end of the island, came home, burned down his home, and left. Why did he burn down his home? Well, he was um, kind of a pirate for hire. And laws changed, and then people were coming after him that he had agreements that they weren't coming after him, and he was just ticked off, basically. And they never know what happened to him. But they're out in uh, Campeche, where the Three Oaks are on the other end of the island. Uh, it's also where some Indians used to live much, much earlier. That's where they say the pirate ghosts are. And uh, there's a mansion out there that was built in the 20s, and at one point it had these beautiful oversized murals of pirates, and it was abandoned for years and years and years, and people would sneak in and get the creepiest pictures of these pirates because oh <laughs> they'd know the pirates were roaming around watching them. And there's a, there's a, a museum with ghost tours as well, and one part of that is dedicated to ghost pirates. Is that accurate? It's kind of a double museum, and one side is uh, lore of pirates, and one of them is it's Mayfield Manor. It's a haunted house with a storyline kind of based around the 1900 storm and a doctor who went crazy. A lot of fun, but the building that they built this double kind of amusement place in is haunted, and sometimes the visitors have a hard time because they think it's all part of the show and the people working there know, oh, that wasn't part of the show. <laughs> or we don't know who that guy was that just walked out of the wall. That wasn't a trick, no. And they play with the elevators and it, it's it's great. They have great stories over there too. But it, there is a pirate museum and it's, it's quite interesting, but it's more of a serious pirate museum. It's just the other side of the ghost museum or a haunted house and it's just kind of ironic that it's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Every place there seems to be haunted, so it definitely makes sense that that place is too, uh, especially if they're honoring the, the pirates themselves by telling their story. You would think. And they have you know, some of their artifacts and things, so maybe they're watching over them. Who knows? 
So maybe like the one famous house there is the one that's not haunted. <laughs> <laughs> like like the exact opposite of a normal town. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I can actually think of only one major historical home with no ghost stories tied to it. And there are a lot of historical homes on the island. One of the things that I really liked about the book was the fact that you you don't like ask the question or like say one way or the other like ghosts ghosts aren't real that that never even gets brought up you're just you're stating facts and you're stating experiences and a lot of the book is just based on the idea that if you're reading this book you're going into it believing that that supernatural things can happen um, and at very least that these people believe that these supernatural things are happening. There's never any like, oh, well, it could be this. You you kind of take a, a firm stance almost on th- these are our story. These are like true stories. This is all nonfiction. Well, or you just enjoy a good ghost story too. Um, I think what I was trying to get across was the history that went behind some of the tales that exist and to give you the facts that might back that up to say that it might actually be true, but then to leave it open to interpretation. If somebody believes in ghosts, then they're going to be pretty fascinated with the story behind the ghost. If they don't believe in ghosts, they might just enjoy a good ghost story. Something that really intrigued me is I was watching a video you were featured in, and you're talking about how, like, when you look at a cemetery and look at various tombstones, and you kind of think about, there's just a story behind this. This person who's on this this name on this tombstone, they had a life, they had friends, family, and there's actually a story to this, and this is actually something I've experienced quite a bit. And I find it so interesting that you actually delve deep into those stories, into those topics, into the culture of the time before. And I don't know, it's it's kind of mind-boggling to my mind, because it's like, you can actually discover that? That's crazy. Yeah, that's basically what my first book, The Galveston's Broadway Cemeteries, was all about cemeteries. I've been researching cemeteries for over 40 years, and I've gotten pretty good at, pardon the pun, digging up facts <laughs> about the people buried there. Um, I know everything there is to know about cemetery records, but I'm fascinated with them. And my grandfather used to, when I was a kid, walk me up and down the rows of these old country cemeteries. And I never thought it was spooky or creepy because we were usually there to visit somebody. But um, he would walk me up and down and tell me stories about, you know, oh, that's old Mrs. So-and-so, and she made the best biscuits in town, and that's so-and-so, and she owned the livery stable. And I learned really early that they're just not names and dates. They're real people, and there are stories behind them. And I found that fascinating, and I've never gotten over that fascination. And with the with this great tragedy that happened here and you digging in to find out all of the stories behind these uh, phenomenal events that are happening now that people are just taking as, you know, oh, well, this is a ghost town. You're kind of giving life to these people who didn't really get to leave a namesake. I hope so. I hope so. There were a lot of families that either lost a lot of members or entire families were lost. Um, a lot of families moved away. So right after the storm, so many of the stories were lost and kind of discombobulated that um, it takes a little bit of legwork to get in there and recover their stories so that they're not lost forever. I think that's that's definitely hugely honorable. Thanks, I appreciate it. So, um, so do you have any um, outside of you know all of these stories you've gathered, personal experiences with ghosts? <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question. Um, the ones that I've had on Galveston, um, I don't usually talk about out of respect for some of the people involved that don't like to talk about it or um, on a property that it isn't 
particularly PC to talk about it being haunted, even though everybody knows it is. Um, but I've had other experiences, especially when I was younger, when um, my freshman year in college, my dorm room had a ghost and it didn't phase me because that wasn't my first one. But yeah, I think if you're at least open to the possibility, then you're probably going to sense some things that either you can interpret as ghosts or try to figure out what that is. So you you believe that, you know, being open to the idea is paramount to being able to experience a ghost in the first place? I do. I also think um, you need to keep a level head and don't think every bump or, or screech or creak or whatever, especially when you're dealing on on island with a bunch of really, really old buildings, that not everything's going to be a ghost. Um, it's really fun to investigate and figure out what caused that noise and then laugh at yourself. It's like, oh, that was only this. But sometimes you can't find out what that was, or sometimes you see something that you can't explain. And I think that's even more intriguing. Do you have any experiences like that? They, one that you might be willing to, to highlight here as an exclusive? Let's say as an exclusive. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you one that happened on Galveston, but I won't tell you where it was. How about that? Oh, I'm down. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, it was a property that I had access to late at night, and I wasn't there for the purpose of doing anything spooky. I was helping with a project. But I don't know what even started it, but somebody was saying something about the little boy that haunted the building. And I said, oh, huh, I've never heard about that. And it was several years ago, and I'd never heard any stories with this. So I did the stereotypical thing. I had one of those little pin flashlights that you carry around and I kind of rolled it across the table and I said, well, if you push the end of it, you can turn this on and it rolled right back to me. And I thought, hmm, the table must be kind of crooked or something. So I put it on the floor and I said, show me you can do that again. And I rolled it back and it rolled back. So I got to the other end where it was rolling from and the same thing happened. No matter what direction I did, it would roll back to me. And for a while, I was just rolling it back and forth, and you could actually see it stop and come back to me. You you played catch with a ghost. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. I was, I was laughing so hard. I was like, is anybody seeing this? <laughs> <laughs> and there were other people there to, to corroborate. There were, there were other people there catching flies with their mouth open, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> they didn't oh. seem to think it was as amusing as I did. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you, you've you've been there and you've done that. So uh, to you, that that's more of a fun thing. Well, I thought it was fascinating. I mean, mm. I'd never had that happen before. And I certainly didn't expect it to happen. But I thought it was pretty fascinating when it did. Yeah, I find it interesting because your, your main reaction to that was not quite, oh, my God, it's ghost, scary. Uh, you're, like, <laughs> you're, more in, you're more intrigued. You're just kind of like, what is going on here? This is really what what yeah (laughs) i love science so i think that's the way i look at it it's like what would cause that and you know you can even look at i hate to use the word paranormal only because people roll their eyes when you say it but that's kind of a science either disproving or proving whatever you're doing but i think it's just one more thing to observe and try to figure out and explain one way or the other I think you have a, a very unique perspective, especially coming from, you know, you, you like science and you're investigating things that a lot of times baffle somebody who's science oriented. You're not frightened by it. You're rather intrigued and willing to, to dive deeper into it. I think that makes for um, for some great life experiences, I'm sure. And it definitely makes for some great writing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. 
And for anybody who does enjoy a good ghost story or rich history or wants to see some of these places, is thinking about traveling to Texas, it isn't sure where they want to visit. This would be a great place to visit. Where can they go about picking up your book? It's available on Amazon. So that's the easiest place nationwide. Other than that, it's it's all over the island and the, uh, the Galveston bookshop and the local bookshops. Uh, we have it at the Barnes and Nobles in Houston. But the easiest place to get it probably nationwide would be on Amazon. Yeah, I know uh, when I got it, I got it right off Amazon. It, it was for uh, Kindle download, mm-hmm. which you can actually read on your on your iPhone too. I wasn't even aware of that. It's definitely worth worth it. And uh, I, I highly suggest it on my end. Well, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Um, let me know next time you're going to be dropping a book. We'll definitely have you back on. I'll do that. Thanks so much, you guys. You got it. Have a great day. You too. Love the podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes. Also, you know, leave us a review. That really helps us. And you know, we're also on Twitter at We Need to Talk and Facebook at We Need to Talk Show and so on and so forth. And yeah, just, just, just send us a line and let us know what's up. Yeah. And, of course, until next time, 